Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today. And again, I say it every week, but it is true. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? I didn't hear you. It's a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and praise his name together.
Well, that goes that goes with part of the message today. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I need to learn every word of that song by memory because the battle is going on. The battle is raging. I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about it in a few moments, but uh, we we need to fight these battles on our knees. You know, the world understands we talk about we're in a war, we need to fight. They get the idea that we're insurrectionists of some kind. Uh, and that's not what it is at all. It's a spiritual warfare that so many people are totally unaware is even going on. And it's going on big time in the state of California. It's going on big time in the United States of America. Uh, the most uh, vicious that I've seen in my entire lifetime. And we're going to talk about it in just a few moments. But first of all, we're going to thank God for bringing us here today. I thank God I'm back in Coronado. <laughs> I was in Clovis. Anybody know where Clovis is? Yeah, next to Fresno. Anybody know where Fresno is? Right next to hell, yes. It, the people there were so excited because the temperature had gotten down to like 85 and 89, and I'm sweating, and they're saying, oh, this cool breeze, man, this feels good. I'm like, what cool breeze? But we had a great time, got to preach for a Great Church Sunrise Church up there in, in Clovis on Sunday, and then uh, had national meeting on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and we got to stay for most of that. So uh, I'm all excited, charged up, ready to be back home. Good to see every one of you. We missed you. Next time we go out of town, you're all going to come with us. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of meeting together today. Lord, we're so grateful and thankful that in this warfare in which we're engaged, that we're, we don't go to battle alone. Father, we go into battle on our knees with you as the, the king of, of angel armies. Lord, I love that translation. The, the, the king of, of angel armies, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of angels, and you are sovereign above them all. So Father, we pray that your perfect will would be done in our church, in our lives, in our nation, in, our, in this world, Father. We're looking forward to the day when you come back again. May everyone who needs to get saved and wants to get saved, get saved. Then may you soon come back, we pray. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And if you are a first-time guest, if you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, thank you so much for doing so. We're glad to have you do that. But if you're in the auditorium and your first-time visit, in the seat backs are one of these visitor cards. I'd love to have you fill it out so we have a record of your visit. And we will send you a Starbucks card for filling it out. So fill it out, give it to us, uh, or put it in the offering box next to the double doors in the back. There's a, a box on the stand about so high, and that's where our members give their tithes and offerings. That's where our visitors can put their visitor card in, make connection with us. If you have some questions, or if you want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, or about um, you know serving the Lord, or being baptized, or joining, indicate that, and we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. All right, let me give you a couple of announcements um, today. The military lunch right after the services. So on the patio, all of you in active duty are invited for that. Next Sunday, Sermon on the Mount, part five. Uh, are you salty? Are you salty? And I'm not talking about your language. I'm talking about something else. So we'll go over that. Then we have Holy Communion. So you've got one week to get things straightened out between you and God, between you and other people. Uh, take care of any offenses. Take care of uh, making any, uh, any modifications in your behavior toward the Lord. And then do so uh, as we take communion together uh, as, a, as a, 
someone prepared for such a, uh, an important event. Sign up for a new member class October the 15th. You can use uh, one of these cards, put your name and the contact information uh, the 15th right after services. We will have a lunch for everybody, and we will also then have the new member class, and you can decide whether you want to go ahead and be a member of First Baptist Church or not. October the 7th, uh, is that the next uh, breakfast, John, prayer, men's breakfast? October 7th, uh, we've been having some unbelievable cuisine. It's not just food, it's cuisine. Yeah. Good stuff. So come be with us October the 7th. And then October the 8th, we're having a church picnic at Spreckles Park. So we'll dismiss from here. We'll go down there uh, and we'll need people bringing uh, sides and more sides and desserts. And I'm going to pass this around. Is there only one clipboard this morning, I guess? Oh, there's one back over here. So uh, Margie, sign up that you're bringing a side of beef and then go ahead and pass it on back. (laughs) There you go. All right. Bring the cow and we'll cook it. All right. Church pig. This is something, I, I, I don't know if you've heard about this, AB 957. How many have heard of that? AB 957. Okay. Recently, this is my bulletin article. It's, you have it in, in the bulletin if you picked up one. Recently, the California legislature passed AB 957. That bill has to do with gender identity of children within the state of California. You may want to look up the bill for yourself to see exactly what it says, but I quote part of it right here. This bill, for purposes of this provision, would include a parent's affirmation of the child's gender identity or gender expression as part of the health, safety, and welfare of the child. In very plain words, and that's the end of quote, in very plain words, the bill means that to be a fit parent, according to this legislation, you must be willing to affirm a child who chooses to be called by different pronouns or treated as a different sex other than which they were assigned at birth. It may mean, it may mean one would have to affirm them having surgery to change their sex. Uh, And if you don't affirm that and you're not supportive of it, then you would be deemed an unfit parent and the child could be removed from your home. Um, The California State Senate has already passed similar legislation, so they, uh, it's it's fast-track ready, and Governor Newsom said before the bills were passed that he would sign it. The notion that the child belongs to the state I think began with the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia in 1917. The state is intruding into an area it does not belong. By the way, I think the state has a compelling interest in sincere safety of children. I I believe when children are being abused, when children are being either physically, sexually, otherwise abused, neglected, uh, the state has a compelling interest. Uh, But certainly when our children are, are confused or have different ideas that are not consistent with uh, the right principles, uh, we don't have an obligation to be affirming of that, in my opinion. So the action goes along with the message this morning on persecution, which I'm going to talk about. Other nations have known it to one degree or another, but this is new for the United States of America in our era. Pray, write your state officials, be salt and light, but stand firm in the faith. We are at war. There's no other way to explain what's happened in the last 15 years uh, with, with this whole situation. So, uh, so be praying about it and write your legislators, write the governor. If it, I don't know if it'll do any good, but try, and uh, we'll see what, uh, what happens. Yes, sir. Who did? He vetoed it? Let's give Newsom a hand of applause, something I never thought I would do. Holy cow. 
That's what happens when you write your bulletin article two weeks ago, huh? <laughs> Disregard everything I said. Not everything I said. We're still at war, folks. Let's not forget that. Let's stand together and we continue to worship the Lord.
Please welcome up Fitz and Bobby and Philemon for a special song.
Lily of the valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. Fairest of ten thousand, make me a reflection of your life. Day stars shine down on me, let your love shine through me in the night. Lord, I see a world is dying, wounded by the master of deceit. Groping in the darkness, haunted by the years of past defeat. Then I see you standing near me, shining with compassion in your eyes. Jesus, shine down on shine through me in the night. Leave me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Let your words speak through me. Show
the night. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Bobby, Phil, and Fitz. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. It really was. Okay, boys and girls, come on down. Let me tell you a little story before you go to your class. And moms and dads and everybody else, if you have your Bible. How many have your Bible? Let me see, your, let me see them. They're either on your phone or on paper and with leather covers and all that kind of stuff. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. That's where we'll be in just a few moments. But I'm going to tell these young, amazing kiddos a story, and it's a true story. How many like stories? How many like stories? Thank you, son. All right. Oh, okay. We have two. Okay, Goldilocks. This is different from Goldilocks, and you like them too. All right. Here's a story. This is I, I heard this story this last week, and it's a true story about a little girl who went home one day from school, and when she got to her home, there were fire trucks and policemen all around her house. And she was really concerned about what was going on. And some kind policeman talked to her and said, your mom is very, very ill. And they took her mom to the hospital. This was a long time ago. And instead of taking her somewhere, they said, do you have anywhere you can go? And this little girl whose name was Donna said, well, I think my daddy, I think my daddy was right over at some motel over here in town. And so she walked to this motel, if you can believe this, as a little girl. And got to the motel. She saw her daddy's car out there. She went inside and she talked to the clerk. And she said, <clears throat> and she said who she was. And she said, uh, my dad's here. Can you please call him and see if he can come and get me in the office? And so the clerk called the room where her daddy was. She didn't know where it was. And, and he talked to him for just a moment. And he got a sad look on his face. And listen to this, boys and girls. You know what the clerk said? He said, your daddy says he doesn't have time right now. And here's this little girl, her mom's in the hospital, her dad doesn't have time for her, she had nowhere else to go. Somehow or another, someone made a friend of her and took her to church, and she asked Jesus to come into her heart and to be her savior, and that became her family. That church became her family, and God took care of her. And you know what happened about several years after that, a long time after that? She became a missionary to the Philippine Islands. And she was in the Philippine Islands for several decades, a long, long period of time, I think 50 or 60 years before she passed away. And now her sons are in ministry and they're missionaries and her grandson's in ministry and he's serving the Lord. You know what that tells me? No matter what we're going through, boys and girls, God always knows where you are and God always loves you and God always has time for you. So even when things get tough, and you're going through some bad times, remember that God is a God who loves you supremely. That's a true story. It broke my heart to hear that. But you know what? We have a God who is our heavenly father who will take care of us no matter what we go through. So let's pray right now. Father, I'm so thankful that these boys and girls don't have to go through something like what Donna went through. But we're so grateful and thankful that Donna found Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And I pray for these young boys and young girls girls, that they might receive Jesus as their Savior, if they haven't already, that they would ask him to come into their lives and to be their God and their Lord and their Master, and we'll thank you for it. Now, bless the teachers as they do such an important job of putting these, these amazing truths into the hearts of these young children, and bless them, we pray, for their efforts in Jesus' name, and all the kids said, 
Amen. God bless you. I'm glad each one of you have a home. Go ahead and go to your class right now. And we're going to be preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, part four. Happy are the harassed. Have you ever been harassed? Were you happy? Not particularly. But listen, this, oh, by the way, this message has the world's longest introduction. I, I tried to fix it, but I can't. So I've got a whole bunch of introduction. You won't even see anything on your outline for uh, probably about 20 minutes or so. But <laughs> hang in there, uh, and we'll see if we can get there eventually. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, uh, beginning there. Blessed are they who are persecuted. And this word, blessed, you remember, is marikos, which means happy in a lofty sense. Marikos is the one who is in the world and yet independent of the world. Uh, and, and his satisfaction doesn't come from the things of the world, but his satisfaction comes from God, his, his heavenly father, uh, and not from favorable circumstances. So blessed are they who are persecuted, dioko, to prosecute, persecute, pursue with repeated acts of enmity or hatred. Uh, if blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, justly persecuted. We'll talk about that in a moment, a little bit more. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the royal heavenly domination. Someone was telling me this morning, oh, oh, um, Lori was telling me uh, about uh, um, Randy Alcorn, his book on heaven, which is, by the way, is a tremendous book. Uh, no, that wasn't you. That wasn't you. That was, was that, who was that? You. Okay. Well, somebody, anyhow, and, and how that, uh, how that uh, he, he talked about uh, the heavenly dominion and talked about heaven in Isaiah, I think, chapter 45. Yeah, okay, I got that part right. Uh, so this is the kingdom of heaven, the heavenly dominion that's going to happen one of these days. Blessed are you when men shall revile you. To revile someone means to defame them. Uh, to be derogatory to them, to be disparaging, to reproach them. And generally, it means to rail at or to, or to assail with abusive words. It might be a, a boss who's out of control. It might be a spouse who uh, is not being wise in their choice of verbiage. It might be your child who's yelling at you about something. Um, but the fact is, we in the United States of America have not known probably we have not known physical persecution. We have all known what it is to be reviled, probably, and, and to be abused in that way. Uh, but blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely, people who've lied about you. For my sake, there's a difference. They lied about you because of your belief system, because of your dependence upon God, because of your love for God. Rejoice, which means to be glad. That's a commandment. When people persecute you, when people revile you, when people are abusive to you, rejoice, command, be glad, and be exceedingly glad, which literally meant leap for joy. Now, next time someone starts railing on you, you start jumping up and down, and they're going to probably call uh, for some help and assistance. But, <laughs> but it, that's what we're supposed to be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Okay, so blessed are you when, be, when persecute you. This doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Not logically, it doesn't. To be blessed means to be happy and joyful. How can one possibly be uh, blessed and joyful when they're being persecuted? And I, of course, uh, my mind goes to persecution. Uh, Christians in India who are being burned alive and being, their churches are being destroyed. Christians in the Muslim world 
whose lives are being taken because they simply converted to Christianity uh, and left the, uh, the religion of Islam. Uh, people who are having the necktie parties, they call them in Africa, where they put a tire around someone's neck, fill it with gasoline, light it off. Incredibly horrendous. I think of persecution. I think of things like that. Fox's Book of Martyrs is not, in my opinion, a happy book. Not a joyful book. Disciples being crucified, beheaded, uh, drawn and quartered, boiled in oil does not sound fun. So what in the world does Jesus mean by these words he's preaching to these crowd of people on the hillside in the Mount of Olives? What does it mean? The Christian who lives in an attitude of the Beatitudes will be a peacemaker on one hand, but a source of trouble on the other hand. There are two sides of the same coin. The source of, uh, of trouble that we can become may result in persecution. So to be continually harassed, uh, blessed are those who allow themselves to be continually harassed or treated evilly, and it's perfect participle construction, which means who are being harassed on a continuing basis. And the people, the Christians of Jesus' day, well, starting way back with Stephen, huh? And then going to James, the Christians of their day, they were persecuted. They were, they were scattered everywhere preaching the gospel. Uh, that resulted in people taking the gospel to foreign lands ultimately. So it, it really worked out uh, for God's glory even though the people were persecuted. Now Matthew uses this verb persecute four times in this chapter and twice other times. And it, it can mean putting to flight or driving away. It can even mean following someone in a good sense. But in the New Testament, it's almost used exclusively of inflicting um, suffering on people who hold beliefs that the establishment frowns on. And I want you to know, if you're a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, you hold beliefs that the world does not like. It's becoming more and more apparent. You don't have to run. We, we had, I think back... Uh, a couple of years ago with Stacy and the school board deal and others of you, that was a form of persecution. Uh, and ultimately, I don't know if there, how many reasons were involved, but, but Stacy and her family moved to Texas and she took them out of the school system here because of, of threats from other, other areas. I don't know if it was students or teachers or whoever, uh, but persecution is a, is a very uh, dangerous thing. And so, the persecution here is, is for righteousness' sake. People who suffer for doing evil are not necessarily being persecuted, okay? So if you do something, if you go out here and, and steal my car and I catch you, of course, I'll pray for you. <laughs> and who knows what else? But, um, but, but such suffering, if you suffer for doing something wrong, that's not persecution. Persecution for righteousness sake is doing something right, taking a stand for something that's right, and paying a ter terrible price for it. That's what persecution is. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief. Don't suffer in those ways, or as an evildoer. Don't suffer that way, or as a e busybody in other people's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God on this behalf. Be glorifying God for being able to suffer for righteousness' sake. So Jesus is speaking here of those committed to God's cause and righteousness who take a stand. It's the kind of conduct that's appropriate for those who have this belief system in their heart 
and in their mind. Salvation is all of grace. We've talked about that hundreds of times, literally, here in this pulpit. Uh, but there is something, a standard of living, a conduct of living that is to follow when you have been born again, when you have been saved, when you have become a Christian, there should be a standard of, of living and conduct that, uh, upon which Jesus pronounces blessings. So we need to learn, though. That's, that's where this learning takes place. Go ye therefore into all the world, teach the gospel, pre- and, and baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. So there's teaching twice, right? Teaching how you get to heaven, how you become saved, how you have your sins forgiven to begin with. And then there's teaching them all things, discipling them, getting them grounded in the word of God. How are you going to know what kind of conduct is becoming to a Christian unless you're into the word of God and unless someone is pouring in to you. I thank God that my preacher, when I was in high school, very critical age, that my preacher poured into me a Christian conduct. And I got to tell you, sometimes sometimes I put up an umbrella and it rolled right off. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't listen to it. And sometimes I did things that I knew were wrong just to see what his reaction would be I know you can't believe I would ever do anything like that, but I did. Uh, but I thank God for him taking a stand and, and, and what a difference he made in my life. I think of before him, I don't even know the pastor's first name, Reverend Wingstrom. Uh, it was an American Baptist church as First Baptist Church here was when it was founded in 1951. And in that First Baptist Church, I had what I call my Baptist catechism, and I had uh, a meeting one summer between second and third grade. Second grade, you teach? Yeah? Between second, that critical age also, between second and third grade, uh, once a week, we'd go meet with the pastor, and he would pour into us the Word of God. And we memorized portions of Scripture back when I had a brain that actually worked. We were able... We were able to, I was able to remember things back then. It's, it's amazing. And so that, that formulated a code of conduct. I didn't always live by it, but I knew what the code of conduct should have been. So blessed are you when men persecute you for righteousness' sake. When the faith of God's children develops sufficiently, it is outwardly manifested. What is on the inside comes to the surface. Uh, there's a, a kind of a, I don't know if you call it a benediction. There's, there's a little saying that a lot of people have. They'll talk about someone who, he, she's beautiful on the inside and the outside. Well, you know what? If you're beautiful on the inside, it ought to come out on the outside. The fi- fact of them is there are a lot of people who are beautiful on the outside who are not so beautiful on the inside. And God help us as Christians to have him in us in so much that, that we reflect his very character. Uh, and, and if that means the world hates us as children of God, then so be it. The Lord assures the persecuted ones that they are blessed for taking such a stand. Uh, there was a belief system in Judaism at the time of Christ that all suffering came because of, um, of disobedience. If you, if you were suffering, if you had physical problems, if you had a withered hand, if you were not able to walk, if you were not able to hear, not able to see, then you remember the blind man that they said, well, who sinned, this man or his parents? So there was this idea and notion that if you, in fact, had some kind of problems uh, like this, then you were simply being punished by God. We look at Job as the ultimate example of that, do we not? I mean, here's Job lost everything absolutely everything except his own life. And God blessed him because he was not 
going through those, that suffering because of his deficiency. He was going through that suffering so that the glory of God might be made known. So Christ reverses the view of all suffering means you're, you're an evil person or you're, being, you're, being, you're making payment for some sin in your life. The fact is, bad things happen to good people. You realize that? Bad things happen to good people. If you have a tornado hit, how many have ever been in a tornado? Yeah. How many have been in a hurricane? How many have been in an earthquake? How many have fallen into a volcano? <laughs> no one here. Okay, that's, that's a good thing. <clears throat> if you're in a tornado or an earthquake area or a hurricane, I, Jamie Johnson, I, I texted him yesterday because Alabama was doing so well, and I said, so how's it going there? And, and he misunderstood what I was referring to, and he said, oh, a few limbs are down, but other than that, we're going to be okay. I said, yeah, how about... That tide, roll, the tide's rolling. He said, oh, yeah, that too. That was good. So, uh, but you know what happens if you live in those areas? You can have a godly person live next door to an ungodly person, and you can have both houses destroyed, or you can have this house destroyed, not this one, or you can have this house destroyed and not this one. The thing, things happen. Bad things happen to good people. I, we were coming back. And by the way, thank you all who prayed. The roads were amazing, uh, very unusually open. We were able to drive the speed limit. And anyhow, uh, thank you for praying that the that for our safety because it really really was. And I have no idea where I was going with that. I completely lost it when I thought about the speed limit. But at any rate. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Uh, <laughs> other scriptures support Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 also. James chapter 1, verse 2. Brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. And 1 Peter 5, 10. In this kindness, God called, in his kindness, God calls you into his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. After you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. So suffering will come, but it will be of a short duration. And the fact of the matter is, uh, he's going to then support you, strengthen you, and place you on a firm foundation. Peter, or Timothy rather, wrote these words, you know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. Actually, Paul wrote that. Uh, and he suffered probably more than any other saint I know of. If you read about in 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the testings, the suffering of Paul, it's amazing. Galatians 4, 29, and we who are born by the Holy Spirit are persecuted by those who want us to keep the law. Philippians 1, 29, uh, for you have not given only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. You ever think of suffering as a privilege? It's a privilege. I, I was listening to somebody who talked about privileges, the privilege of, of children with two parents in the home. And, and there are privileges. There absolutely are privileges when you have two parents in the home. Well, here's the privilege of suffering for him. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians, no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourself. Know that we are appointed thereunto. We are appointed unto afflictions. They will come. And the ultimate uh, I guess, biblical example of persecution of the ultimate example of a person who did not deserve that was the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who broke no laws, who was not 
uh, of, uh, in any way entrapped by the devil who was absolutely uh, representative of his heavenly father who did everything exactly right and they nailed him to the cross. What does persecution have to do with us today? Well, in my 50 years of ministry, it's had very little to do with us today. Unless you count the loss of a business in Colorado over not wanting to bake a cake for same-sex couples. That's a, that's a form of persecution. Shut your business down. Or unless you want to include students who were shot for being Christian in Oregon. That's certainly persecution. Or there may be the loss of a job or discrimination on a football field. That coach that lost his position because he was Christian and prayed. And by the way, was, that was overturned by the courts and he was able to pray one more time. Or being otherwise attacked or marginalized in our country right now, um, in other countries, I should say, right now, becoming a Christian or being a Christian is cause for rape, imprisonment, beatings, and beheadings. But I think we're entering an era where we better be cautious and we better be alert and we better realize that our time to stand may be upon us. And this is going to be controversial. This whole COVID thing, the shutdown of the churches, shutdown of businesses, shutdown churches, leave strip joints open, leave bars open, and tell God's people you can't go to church. Pretty effective um, creative way to persecute. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, it's not in the scriptures here anywhere, but uh, that's what I believe with all my heart. The end of the spirit tells us uh, uh, about what Christians have to do in, uh, in other countries, as does Fox's Book of Martyrs. That's a college textbook, the total torture and death, the people who made professions of faith in Christ. There was a guy named Stan Dale. Has anyone ever heard the name Stan Dale? It's from quite a while back. Uh, an Australian missionary to the Yale tribe of Irian, Java, Indonesia. One day he was up in the high mountains preaching the gospel to these uh, natives, and one of their priests slipped up behind him and shot him with an arrow. Another did the same from another side. Stan pulled both of the arrows out, threw them down, and kept on preaching, pleading with them to receive Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Everyone began shooting at him, and finally he was stopped when he was pierced by over 30 arrows. He finally quit preaching. He fell. We know the story of Nate Saint, probably, through gates of splendor, uh, gates of splendor and his, friend who, his friends who were mur martyred uh, by the Aka Indians in South America back in, I can't remember, it's the 50s or 60s, something like that. Again, what does that have to do with America? I don't, I've never been shot with an arrow. I've never, I, I, I've never been um, crucified. I've never been um, put in jail for preaching the gospel, but I'm not so sure that's not too far in the distance. We had a men's breakfast a couple of, a month or so ago. Someone said, what happens when you come to the point where you can't preach the gospel? I said, I start a jail ministry because I'll be on the inside. The virtues of the Beatitudes are intolerable to an evil world. 
The world can't handle someone who is poor in spirit, that's humble, who mourns over sin uh, because of lasciviousness, who's, who's meek because people are out of control and, and, and has mercy and purity and peacemaking. And people wonder why they're not happy. When the world runs into a kingdom Christian, there's always conflict, convi- conviction, guilt, resentment, persecution. Your very presence, if you're a child of God, will rebuke some people without you saying a word. Because they know that you have something that's real. So what have we learned today? Actually, it took almost 23 minutes to get through the introduction. First of all, there will be persecution of some kind. It may not be physical persecution. It may not be jailing. I I, I don't know. Although there's, uh, right to our north, there was a pastor that was jailed. Uh, for because he didn't bow to the, I think it was the gay agenda. Or no, it was because of the COVID shutdown. He didn't shut down. That's what it was. Uh, and, and I know lo- several churches were fined uh, like $7,000 a day or something that they wouldn't close. And that didn't count just Sundays. That counted every day. Now, I think, I don't know if they had to pay that or not. But persecution, there will be persecution. And, and, and there, I got to remind you, there's a double blessing for those who are persecuted. You will have trouble in this world if you're living for God. In that case, uh, welcome it. That may sound strange, but look, the whole idea of being a Christian is counterculture, folks. So welcome the persecution. Welcome that. If you're, being, if you're suffering for righteousness' sake, it, God will bless you. Leap for joy that you have the opportunity to be suffered. The, the, the disciples who were beaten and, and released counted it joy to be able to per, be persecuted for his name's sake. This is totally something that most of you, most of us have not heard in our lifetimes. But the Western world has changed. Have we? Or do we just fit right in? Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. We have lowered the standard of righteousness. By our silence, by our lack of taking a stand or refusal to take a stand, we are not the salt. We'll talk about this next week. We are not the salt that God intended for us to be. We're not the light that God wants us to be, to shed a light on the perils and the problems of this world. It it may not always be the way it is right now. The editor of USA Today in 2006 wrote with this headline, it's not hysteria, war on Christians is real. So that song we sang a little while ago, we are in a war. We are in a, it's not a shooting war. We're not going to be taking up arms. We're not going to, it's not going to be the sword of the Koran for us. It's not going to be the, uh, the nine millimeter of the Bible for us. We don't force anybody. We, we give the gospel because we love people. We tell them there's a better way. But it might involve persecution in, in whatever form. You may lose your job. You may not be promoted. You may not make the next rank. It's possible that you won't because of your faith in Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reveal to you one way to escape persecution and harassment. You ready? Here's the way you can escape it. Simply deny Christ and approve of the world's standards. Not a good option, though. But if you just go with the flow, it's like they said, men of resolution, you you always drift downstream. You don't don't drift up. You drift down. 
You never drift to God, you drift away from God. So there will be persecution. Secondly, there's a promise. The promise is the kingdom of heaven. And the king of angel armies is the one backing up that promise. We endure persecution. We're in good company. Joseph was persecuted by his own brothers. He was later persecuted by being lied about. You may be persecuted by being lied about, by being gossiped about. It may be someone at work. It may be someone else in church. And, and, and by the way, it's no reason to leave church if someone gossips about you. That's a good reason to go to them, try to make things right. And if you can't take it to the church, there's a remedy in the Holy Scriptures on how to take care of things like that. And it's not just a split. Joseph was persecuted, and look what happened to him. He became second in command of the nation of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the earth. Daniel became, uh, Dan- Daniel was persecuted and, and put in the lion's den and, and other, pers- other problems, and, and, and yet he was, uh, he, he became second in command as well. Jeremiah was persecuted. Jesus Christ was persecuted. The promise for the first beatitude is the same as the last. It's the kingdom of heaven. In Mark 10, 28, then Peter began to say unto him, lo, we have left all and have followed you. And Jesus answered, listen to what he said. If you you feel like you've left everything, I'm following Jesus and things aren't working out so well and I'm taking flack on every hand. Verily I say unto you, there is no one that has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake, Jesus said, and the gospels, but that he will receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with all, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. There will be persecution, but there's a promise, heaven. And I, I've been thinking lately, I've been trying to imagine. I, Jim Garlow, how many know Jim Garlow, Skyline? Uh, I don't know if you know this, his mother just passed away, 102 years of age. 102 years, but about a week before she died, she died. They found no pulse. She was, they had to, you know, work on her to get her back again. And when she came back, he said, Mom, how was it? She said, I can't even begin to tell you. (laughs) She said, I don't have the words to express to you. you. You may say, well, that was the drugs in her. You know what? Go ahead and believe that if you want to. Oh, that was her mind in some semi-conscious state. Yeah, believe that if you want to, too. But you know what I believe? I believe she got, like Paul did, a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. And can you imagine? My wife says, you know, my wife loves all the colors of the fish in salt, saltwater aquariums. Yeah, you know why they have fish in saltwater aquariums, not pepper aquariums? Because <laughs> that'd make them sneeze. Right, so... That is bad. Here I go again. What, did I, what was I talking about? What was I talking about? Heaven. She's always excited about all the different colors of the fish and saltwater crimson, all the colors of the birds. And she, and she says, I think they're going to be colors that we don't even know about. Colors we've never said. We don't have a name for them. Plants and animals. I think there'll be animals in heaven. I've got a some dogs I hope are there I'm not so sure about past though uh, I think hers, hers is demon possessed I'll tell you right now but 
we, we've had some that you could never keep. They escape all the time, and I, I don't think they'll stay in heaven. I think they'll get out somehow. But I think it's going to be an amazing. I think it's so much better. All we've ever known, like gravity, is the weight of our sin, the weight of our sorrow, the weight of our sickness. All of that holds us down, pulls us down, constantly pulling us down. But heaven, the kingdom of heaven, I think it's going to be amazing. That's the promise we have. Then there's a biblical posture, and that posture is rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Jump up and down with joy. Why? Because your reward is great. It's heaven forever and ever and ever. Lay up treasures, not here on earth, but in heaven. That's the way the prophets of old were persecuted. We are in great company if we stand with them and with the Lord Jesus Christ against the evil of this world. Here's a great quote from John Knox. It says, quote, he feared God so much that he never dared to fear any man. He feared God so much that he never dared to fear any man. So in conclusion, if we stand true for the gospel, you can put it down, you're going to be persecuted. May not be shot with 30 different arrows, but you will be persecuted. Even so, we can be overjoyed with a sense of peace through it all. I've told you a couple of times when my dad passed, passed away in 2010, he had a massive stroke and for a couple of days wasn't able to say anything, wasn't able to get up, wasn't able to do anything, and how that affected me um, but then, as I realized, as I thought through that, and it would, it would terrify me at night sometimes, I would, I would wake up just wide awake, concerned about that. Finally, I think I understood what people talk about with panic attacks or whatever. But then I figured out, I'm not here to glorify Jim Bays. I'm here to glorify God. And he's got this heart in his hand. He's got this brain, what's left of it, in his hands. <laughs> And whatever he wants, whatever he plans is what I want. And I can be joyful with whatever happens because God is sovereign. Third thing is people will defame and lie about you, but you know that, don't you? That will result in even more blessings when they do. The fourth thing is through such persecution, we become identified with God's prophets. Holy cow. Isaiah Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. The last point is this. We are at war. Don't listen to people who tell you we're not. Don't listen to the lies of the evil one. He wants to sneak up on you. Oh, it's not an attack. We're going to close the churches so that we can keep everyone safe. That's not an attack. We, 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 want, we want you to be able If you want to go to the strip joint, that's okay. I... If, if you want to go to the bar, that's okay. If you want to go to the French laundry restaurant or whatever without masks, that's okay. If, if you're a certain class of citizen in the state of California, not just anybody can do that. We are at war. Don't believe Satan 
or his imps. And by the way, I guess this is the best place to close. We're on the side that's going to win. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you bow your head? Father, what a great place to stop. What a great thought to realize that someday everyone, every Christ rejecter, Madeleine Murray O'Hare, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, every Christ denier, every atheist, every agnostic, every Buddhist, every, every Muslim, every, every person of every stripe, every nation, every, every place will bow before your son and say he is Lord to your glory. O king of angel armies, whatever comes in the future, may we stand for you and for righteousness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? If you'd like to receive Christ as your personal Savior, want to know how to do that, I'm going to challenge you to come forward. I'll be standing right down here, and I'll show you in the Word of God how to be a born-again child of God before you leave the church this morning. If you'd like to come and be, uh, put your name as a, as a potential member, or if you'd like to be baptized, you've received Christ as your personal Savior, but have not been baptized by immersion since having done that, then I invite you to come ahead and let me know that right now. Whatever else it is that we can help you with, we're down here. I'm here. My wife's here. So please come and avail yourselves of it as our praise team leads us in this praise song. You come ahead. All to Jesus I surrender. All to tell you something if you if God's wanting you to come forward right now and you're not willing to do that because there are other people around here who are Christians who love you who love the Lord if you're not willing to take a stand for him and do what he wants you to do right here you're not going to stand out there you will not where the enemy is so this verse is just for you come on now if God's calling you if God's wooing you to himself let him be obedient to him and do what he says to do as we sing one more verse just for you
thank you all for being in God's house today. I want to thank you for being really nice to my son-in-law last week. Uh, we watched that on, I think it was Monday, uh, Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember when, but it was, I thought he did a great job, and he had nothing but good things to say about all of you, so thank you for being so nice to him. Pray for them. Um, he has he pastored uh, probably 20-some years, 25 years or so, and is currently not pastoring. Um, as you know, most of you, my daughter had a stroke. His wife had a stroke about eight years ago, and so he spends a lot of time uh, taking care of her, and we thank God for him. He's an incredible son-in-law. Uh, he's like one of our own children, so uh, we're thankful for him. But pray for them. I'd love for him. He, he's got too great a gift, I think, to, to not have it in the pulpit somewhere, so be praying for him. Our Father, we pray now that you would go with us, that Father, it could be that we, we encounter some kind of persecution even today. Lord, keep the verses fresh in our mind. Keep the idea of Matthew chapter 5, verses 10, 11, and 12 in our hearts. And God, help us to rejoice when it happens, when people lie about us, to jump up and down. And Lord, just to be glad, knowing that we suffer for righteousness' sake, and that will produce uh, blessings in our life, double blessings. So thank you for it all. God, go with us. Forgive us of our sins and bless us. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. And God go with you today.